Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Vince to my jewels. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I'm just so happy to be here, guys. I forgot my gun on the back of the counter when I went to the toilet. <laughs> and you accidentally <laughs> shot that guy in the head. <laughs> in the, in it, the was, it was a bump in the road. I didn't do anything about it. It was an accident. Uh, and our very own Gimp. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? Bring me out the Gimp. <laughs> Bring me out the Gimp. I don't know if people are going to really hear that over the uh, the intro music. Bring me out the Gimp. <laughs> Yeah, when I was when I was twenty six, so I listened to the Pulp Fiction soundtrack on my CD. Oh no! And uh, it had like little sound bites, and before that uh, that scene, that excellent saxophone surf music scene, it played that scene where he's like, "Bring out the gimp, gimp sleeping." Well, go wake him up, and I just with my friend just hitting the back button constantly, <laughs> "Bring out the gimp, bring out the gimp," and for whatever reason, I was just kept doing it, and he was laughing, and I just yeah. No one will appreciate that story but me and Lee Haynes. All right, so I'm going to ask you, uh, you guys a question. Are you guys the kind of people who like to have dessert before dinner, or do you want your vegetables first? Uh, I like to appreciate my dinner and appreciate my dinner afterwards. I want dessert first because I'm not enjoying tonight's preview. Okay. So let's go with pick. the dessert then. The dessert. Uh, Tyler Lockett was named number 98 in the NFL 100, getting a dessert. I think well deserved spot as one of the 100 best players in the NFL, as voted on by his peers. A level of respect that I think shows that the stats don't always align with the perception and the actual talent, especially in an offense as run heavy as the Seahawks. Uh, Eric, how did it? How did you feel when you got that? When you heard that news? It's really great. I mean, if you break it down, there's 32 teams in the NFL. If every team gets three players, which is not likely, that's going to fill up your top 100 ish some teams are arizona yeah so <laughs> that's a sneak preview kevin yeah uh tyler deserves it uh i really like that that is that is a decent dessert all right uh, kevin what do you what how do, how do what do you think that we can see it from tyler like a theater series here could he move farther up the list or do you think that you know 90 to 100 is about the range we should expect to see him i uh, think that this is his debut on the list and he will be moving up it it's a similar situation to what happened with Doug Baldwin, where it took a while to maybe appreciate what he brings to the table. But it's something he can replicate year after year and grow on. Uh, His skill set is the kind that snags people's attention. He might get 70 yards in a game, but he'll do it in an impressive way. So I think this is a sign of things to come, and I think the future is brighter than the past. And then uh, uh, not a vegetable or a dessert, really, but 85 Frank Clark uh, came in today, which I think is pretty cool. It's a, it's a good validation of like the work that he put in as a Seattle Seahawk. Felt really good about that. So far, everyone they put on the list has was either unranked last year or moving down. So like they, That's rough. Yeah, they haven't had anyone who was like, on the list but moved slightly up. So these guys towards the bottom of the list are either like guys moving down, like they moved Cam Newton down 62 spots to 87. <laughs> Uh, or uh, Harrison Smith moved down 37 spots to 83, uh, stuff like that. So, okay, um, those that was my uh, positive Seahawks news story. I guess the other the other positive story, uh, Bobby Wagner is going to go to training camp, do the full Earl Thomas. He's going to show up for work but not try not to get hurt. Uh, Kevin, how, well, how do you feel about this strategy as far as a negotiation tactic? I think that it's a good strategy. He's sticking to his guns. Uh, he was someone who was quieter but in his own way vocal about making sure that you're there for your team and he's there but he wants that show of faith from the franchise and i can't blame him for that yeah do, do you uh do you have any uh, feelings about bobby wagner like how much what kind of uh what do you think is the hold up with the new contract eric 
It's it's he wants to match the ridiculous deal that the Jets gave CJ Mosley. Gave CJ Mosley. We all know this. We've talked about this months ago, a month ago. Uh, I don't understand why you wouldn't invest in Bobby Wagner at this point because you didn't shop him. There would be tons of teams that would want Bobby Wagner that are probably willing to pay him that ridiculous money. Uh, it's got to be just fudging around with the numbers. And the the follow up question is: Is it going to happen? Maybe you're saving that for a couple weeks, but yeah, I think it might. All right, and uh, it's a position group that ages better than defensive back typically. Yeah, I uh, I like I I don't understand why they wouldn't uh, bring back Bobby, and it's so it's just a matter of if not or when not if for me. They have the franchise tag to kind of play a little bit of hardball, give them some leverage in the negotiation, and I think Bobby, this is really the only way he can negotiate back is to say like if you want me to be here for everything and participating fully you need to give me the the full the full deal the big the big bucks so i i think it's completely fair um on both sides you know they're us not giving him the contract quite yet if they were they're not where they want to be financially and him to, to be like okay that's fine but this is what i'm gonna do um okay the, you ready for vegetables this is not vegetables. This is like having to spoon up your own vomit. Just don't uh, don't serve me steamed broccoli, please. It's it's worse. What's no. the, what's a worse vegetable than that? Steamed cauliflower. Okay, but it's steamed broccoli and steamed cauliflower, and then like it's covered in like the nacho cheese sauce from a Seven Eleven that's been sitting around for ten, maybe twelve hours, something like that. So you saying you've improved the cauliflower? Maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you got that nice crust on top of yeah. the cheese. So then that's that's Jaren Reed. 2017, he had the uh, domestic violence incident. It just kind of went away. Uh, the police didn't press charges. Uh, it seemed to nothing was going to happen with it. And now here we are, two full years later. His appeal has been denied. He has been suspended a whopping six games, one of the largest uh, suspensions ever levied by the NFL personal conduct policy. Um, and you just got to give it up to Roger Goodell, man. He spun the wheel. He has a big wheel in his office. He gives it a hard spin. It goes around, and then he just says whatever it says you know he doesn't he doesn't have to think he doesn't have to do anything he just has a wheel that says anything there's no it says no suspension on there we saw it with Tyree Kill two week uh just a week before you know no suspension when we have video uh audio recording of him uh you know in a dispute with his wife and then his son mysteriously breaks his arm they won't they won't say why he was actually removed from the house in a by cps because of evidences of child abuse and neglect but he got zero games i mean that i think it perfectly shows that goodell has a, a random number generator in his in his office that he hits really hard and then that's how many games that he decides to suspend someone i mean it's the only possible explanation because there's no there's no sense to it there's no pattern there's no discernible uh discernible anything this doesn't make any sense there's not a formula he's following um except goodell's rule we'll talk about the football impacts of this first but let's just let's just slam on goodell for a little bit kevin what do you got so i think there's a few things to be said about this and there's a lot of people pushing back why is the reaction over this to uh to roast goodell and I'd like to narrow in on that because some people want to say they're disappointed with Jaron Reed for having himself in that situation. Um, People have takes on that. My take on it is that domestic violence is a complex situation that the United States uh, criminal justice department has shown an inability to often handle effectively. And so I don't feel like entrusting the NFL to know what to do with this is a intelligent or rational way to handle it so what we're left with is 
how does the NFL choose to handle this? They have something written on the books that says it's six games for the first of for the first uh, uh, transgression, and then they choose arbitrarily when to follow it and when not to follow it. So they, you can be frustrated with the fact that this is happening, or that Jaron Reed was in that situation, while also being frustrated with the way that the policy is implemented and the way that these situations have been handled directly undermines what the league says they're trying to do because if you commit um a violent act or if you're in a situation like this you don't know what's going to happen you don't know how that's going to be handled and so if the whole thing is if you if one of the if this happens you're gonna get six games if that was the goal that the nfl had in place was to have this um league policy in place that was going to help regulate behavior if you don't enforce it consistently you're not doing anything i think that's the problem is the consistency i'm gonna take this a different spin you want to suspend jeremy six games yeah okay uh maybe he so maybe something happened you need to set an example i have drafted tyreek hill in the last three years in my fantasy football league that i share with these gentlemen uh, I made the comment that I would not be drafting him this year. Um, it kind of made me like it's just it's just a game that I I'm basically looking at a you know computer put out of uh, what these these guys do on, on any given day. And but I felt kind of like ugh, Terry Kill. That's that's awful. And uh, <laughs> this guy has no suspension. Uh, we tr- we try and not swear on the show. Get the fuck out of here. I don't understand it. I, I guess maybe because Tyree kills a star. I, I really, that's my problem. Jaren Reed, number one fine. weapon for the new hotshot quarterback. Seriously, it is that is unforgivable. Goodell. If you, if you, if you looked at what happened with Jaren Reed, Tyree Kill, Ray Rice, Tom Brady, Big Ben, Aaron Hernandez, and tried to guess, and then you knew the numbers. You know, zero games, four games, six games. Uh, you knew, you tried to guess like which 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 one goes with which. Yeah, you got to yeah. match them up. It would be impossible <laughs> to guess which ones went with which. It doesn't make any sense. It's completely random. I feel like I they're basically doing it the same way internet forum moderators do, right? Just like wield the ban hammer, try to get everyone under control, just delete things you don't like. Um, it doesn't make any sense. I I'm curious to know what they know because I think it might be enlightening. But they doesn't they they're not going to reveal that because that's probably against their collective Roger Goodell agreement. suspends like Angel Hernandez calls balls and strikes. The Nice, Kevin. The big thing for me is that it's not complicated to fix this problem. Hire a third party for moderation. The NFL is not equipped to handle our, ha- handle this Correct. player punishment stuff. Set guidelines. Hand them off to the third party. Let the third party do their job. This is the kind of thing that you, those kind of clearinghouses exist for and they don't, they're not doing it because I think there's two reasons they're not doing it. I have a, I have some conspiracy theories. You ready? Let's you guys ready it. for conspiracy, Nate? I said some of this I stuff on about the, the Denver airport. The sen- I said some of this stuff on the <laughs> Field Goals podcast yesterday. So I, but I actually have two conspiracy th- podcasts. I saved one Ooh, just for this one. Back. Yeah, I held back a little bit. So my, the one I talked about yesterday, my first conspiracy theory is that Goodell wants to pass some some stuff in the next CBA. He wants to be in a strong bargaining position, and one way he can get in a really strong bargaining position is to is to give up something. And what can he give up? This arbitrary player punishment thing that everyone hates. That gives him a chip that he can turn in that he does not care about, and it gives him a big chip. 
to, to give to the other side. What do you, how do you guys think about that? Was uh, that, that conspiracy? I agree. As a matter of fact, before you said you're going to do conspiracy theories, I wasn't going to say that was a conspiracy theory. I was just going to say that's a thing that's going to be in the next bargain. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's very likely. Okay. It seems likely, although I don't know how much of a chip it is since the, the people negotiating are the players and the players you don't want to protect themselves. Right, and... so the players are going to want a different way of doing player punishment, and Goodell's going to be like, sure, whatever you guys want, but you got to give me 18 games. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that's, absolutely. That, that's the kind of deal with the devil situation I think Goodell's trying to get a position he's trying to get himself into. And then the second thing is, my second one is that this keeps the, the reason they do this stuff in the offseason is it keeps the NFL in the news cycle all around, all throughout the year, and it keeps people talking about it. If the if the punishments made sense, we'd talk about it for a day, and then we'd let it go. But people are still talking and tweeting about Tyreek Hill. People are still talking and tweeting about Jaron Reed, and it's all because these punishments don't make any sense. And it keeps people talking about it for maybe a whole week's worth of news, as opposed to filling up maybe just a day's worth of news on the news cycle. And so it keeps the NFL fresh in people's minds. Goodell, once again, proves he is an evil 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 person but but kind of a genius i think and i think there's... you know the ultimate proof that that's true what uh if no, owners don't fire him <laughs> no that's just the ultimate proof that the owners suck um the ultimate proof that is true is if he ends up getting like a game or two shaved off during the preseason um a la zeke elliott dropping from six games to four um, okay, so Zeke Elliott's a great example. The lead, the lead investigator in that case, the the neutral investigator. You know what his suggestion was? Hmm. No suspension. Uh, Jameis Winston. They the league concluded he did not touch the driver in a sexual manner without consent. Still suspended him. And then Tyree Kill got nothing. I think like the lesson is is that the more you cooperate, the more your suspension goes down. Zeke did not cooperate, and the suspension was very high for I think something that the investigator said was not an issue. Jaron Reed did not cooperate. He challenged this every step of the way, and I think he's paying for and it. And he lost his appeal, by the way. Yeah. yeah. So good, it's, it's good call. Yeah, that 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 actually makes a lot of sense. Basically, that the league's being petty. That sounds like directly up the league's by, alley. By the way, so it's Ray the Rice, opposite of what happened to the University of Missouri football team. Ray Rice very upfront about what happened. Two games. I mean, and he on camera beat the brakes off of his wife. Yeah. Like that. I mean, that there's no doubt about had it. Her appalled. That was a creepy situation. That was not um, good. Yeah, it's, that's why that guy doesn't play anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad the team. I'm glad the team stood together to to like basically put him out of the. NFL. Uh, this is pretty serious. We do have to lighten it up to go into things. I just want to lighten this up uh, real quickly. Kevin, you're saying that all the owners suck because they didn't want to get rid of Goodell. Are you saying that Jerry Jones is your favorite owner because he's the guy who tried to oust Goodell two years ago? You know what? Well, good, I, good for Jerry yeah, Jones. Cool. He did you one. Yeah, I'm sure Jerry did it for the right reasons with right. his glory holes. Bro- so bro- they say something about uh, Jerry, you know, broken <laughs> clock, right? A couple times a day. I mean, <sighs> oh, Kevin's something about Kevin's on it today. Shining on a dog's ass. Um, okay, let's talk about. Let's talk really quickly about what the Seahawks can do football wise to kind of fill these gaps. There's still some like semi interesting defensive ends. Uh, really quickly, uh, let's also remember the fact there. that our defensive end situation is trash even before we got. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, Cody oh, Ely's out there. Right. Deion Jordan's out, still out there. Uh, William Hayes. If we bring a unicorn to the pitch meeting, I think he'd sign with us. Wait, and he sure wasn't he even that bad, really. William talk, Hayes has been pretty decent. Talk about what William Hayes believes in for those people. Oh, he doesn't believe in dinosaurs, but he does believe in unicorns and mermaids. And he was really excited to end up on teams where he's close up to the water where he might see a mermaid. Guys, for all of you listening, we got this it. is my kind of player. We have to convince him there are mermaids in Puget Sound. Like, we just got to well, Where else it. are they going to be? 
William Hayes, there are mermaids in Puget Sound. Come play for us for the veteran minimum. <laughs> Do you think it might work? Okay. Then I'll, get him on like, the, I'll get them on the podcast. We need a care. competent 300 defensive end snaps. Otherwise, we're giving those snaps to Cassius Marsh. And he's getting 800 snaps this year, and we're in trouble. Defensive, defensive tackle-wise, there's a Ty Rubin still out there. Tom Johnson. Um, we helped him get paid twice last year, so maybe he'd want to come back. Um, so that those are those are some guys that we could look at. I think there's, there's interesting options out there for at both end and tackle. Um, the thing is, is that any defensive line depth they bring in is going to help. We do have flexible pieces that can play inside and outside. I think that the team long-term sees Rasheem Green as that kind of guy. You could play some DT and some DE. I think that same with Naz Jones, and same LJ with Elja Collier. Yeah. Like, all those guys can play inside and outside. Um, Even and Quentin, Jefferson. Quentin Jefferson. Yeah. Exactly. So so they don't. it doesn't matter if they bring in DTs or DEs. They just need to bring in a couple guys. So do you want to talk about the different roles on the defensive line, or you want me to handle whether, that real quick? Sure, that's fine. But just wait. One more thing. They could bring back Malik McDowell. Just kidding. All right, go, go ahead. Oof. So, Dr. Zeus? Uh, uh, Kevin, I'm going to talk to your supervisor for that oof. <laughs> so That's a deep cut jo- Malik McDowell joke for all the, all the true fans out there. <laughs> so on the Seahawks defensive line, there is a base end position. We've talked about this before. And the base end position is the one we have super covered. LJ Collier, Rasheem Green, all those guys we just talked Nash about. Nash Jones, Quentin Jefferson. Nash Jones, those are all base ends, which means that they this are... Is the, this is the Michael Bennett role. Yep. You can hold the you can hold the corner against the run game, and you can provide some level of pass rushing. Competent ability. pass rushing. Yes. And then we have our three-tech and our five-tech on the D-line. Um, or sorry, we have our three-tech and our nose tackle on D-line. So we have our interior guys, and then we have what's sometimes referred to as a Leo position. And those, and those, those inside the interior guys right now would be like Al Wood and Puna Ford if we started today with probably Quentin Jefferson and Jamie Metter like filling out the rotation. That's yeah, it's, without it's a that's bit with, of a thin that's rotation. Without, without Jaron. With Jaron, it's a lot better because I think then you just have Quentin, Al, Jaron, and Puna, and that's like a super solid four guys. Right, with a bunch of people rotating into that three-tech spot because yeah, all those guys we just talked about on the base end position are also three techs now here's here's where we get into trouble so then we get to the leo position which is the pure pass rush position this is what frank clark 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 played last year this is the uh the classic position for um oh kevin's pulling a kevin is pulling a nathan right here and i'm just gonna like savor it for just like 10 more seconds to see if he can come up with it himself because this is like totally what i do all the time where i'm like trying to think of a name and it's like a guy and his name is cliff averill yep. <laughs> This is the Cliff Averill spot. I, I wanted to see if you could come up with it yourself. But no, I was just going to watch you until you came up with it for no, me. No, I, I, I had it. I just wanted to see if you got it. Okay, go ahead. So this is the Cliff Averill position. This is your more pure or, pass rusher. Or before, even before Cliff Averill. This is Chris uh, Clemens. Chris Clemens, yeah. Was oh, like see, the I got that one. Yeah, I you can definitely go, remember you the less legendary one. Seahawk guy. <laughs> Gee, that was awful. Um, so uh, this is your more pure, like, pin your ears back, come after the quarterback guy. And that's what Z- we're lacking. We need Z- a healthy Ziggy Ansa. Cassius, Cassius Marsh, Marsh man. and then here's the thing: I'm here, ready for this. Well, and of course the uh, the Martin experience. Mingo, Martin, and Griffin are all going to be contending to play in this role some this year. But you Martin, don't want a lot of 240 pound dudes taking snaps there. That's the rough part. You don't, especially not on a first down. Uh, and that's the thing that sucks is like a, you want a guy like Ansa who can at least hold his own in the run game because let's be honest, teams pass on first down all the time now. You can't just get away with having a pure. So we can't have Jacob Martin play first down. Like, because you want to respect the run. You don't, you don't want to just say, hey, here's a guy you can wash out of the play. And I love Jacob Martin, but I'm going to guess that his run-stopping skills at 235 pounds are going to be a lot different than Diggy Yonsa at It'll 285. Um, 
that's not to say that Jacob Martin on third down can't be an excellent addition to our NFL team, but we're just in trouble. We need to put up, we need to put some some beef on there. So I'm hoping like Mingo gained 20 pounds in the off season or something. That's <laughs> that's, that's my that's my uh, my the hope. bad stuff. So mermaids, yeah, Mingo, the guy who yeah. the guy who may not make the team. I would say that's that's Mingo's greatest contribution to the team at this point would be if he dresses as a mermaid and lures in William Hayes. Wait, <laughs> dude, I'm into William Hayes. Like he's like he, he checks a lot a, of boxes. That, that would be a God. really good addition um, to that spot. He just like would fill in that spot. He brings depth. He brings like, he's someone you can, can just get rid of at any time and it will not hurt your team at all. And um, then he, he was uh, hurt most last season, so they, we need to bring him in and work him out. Check out the medicals. Right? Nathan, you want to talk the compensatory situation since you're the one who looked it up? Yeah, um, we have a third and a fourth right now, a sixth and two sevenths. So as long as we don't sign someone for like four million dollars we should be or more we should be fine to not lose any of the good compensatory Which picks means we can get a couple rotational guys yeah so I, I i mean signing a rotational defensive end and defense tackle is something the seahawks should and seem to be looking to do when they brought in a tyre rubin last week it's definitely something that's on their mind um yeah and then also don't also, be surprised if thing is, one of our quintessential like, trades every the last minute. every rookie's on the pup list and i I completely agree. There's a very strong chance that we're like, hey, we have all these sixth and seventh rounders next year. How about a seventh rounder for this guy you were going to cut? How about a sixth rounder for this guy you were going to cut? And then we end up with four dudes that are actually pretty okay that we really like that we saw in the preseason. But like Phil Haynes, Demarcus Christmas, Ben Burkirvan, Marquise Blair, all these guys are on the pup list right now. So I'm a little worried that I thought one of the strengths of this team was we drafted really well and we have it gave us a lot of depth. And now that depth is eroding because. You know, football. Suspensions. Football, suspensions, pup, stuff. Right. So should we finish previewing them in the preview and we'll move to yeah. the division now? Uh, what, what's, let's do uh, – did you have any other NFL stories, Kevin? Uh, I, no, I had a lot of Solomon Thomas stories. Nathan and I have a very <laughs> a very serious story that that I already knew about, but now it's getting worse. Oh, what, give me that one. The Albert Hainsworth is yeah. very close to death. Yeah. yeah, that's rough. Yeah, he needs, a, he, he needs at least one kidney. I don't know. Sounds like a, a bad a bad rub, but um, I don't know that guy's life. I don't know. All if right, he had I had one NFL what. story for you guys. You ready? Andy <laughs> Reid was asked if he did anything fun or exotic this off season. His response: I attacked a couple chili rellenos. <laughs> wow, <I> love Andy <laughs> Reid. Just a couple, huh? Just live the meme, dude. Just be be all that you can meme. Andy Andy Reid is the perfect incarnation of Andy Reid. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. All right, let's start with the. Uh, we're gonna get into our division wait preview minute, here. Wait a minute, I know this exactly what to do that. Eat chili rainos. I mean, that's that's chili easy. That's so I, good. I was at a restaurant in Los Angeles, and they had a burger, and the burger hat came with a chili relleno on top of the burger, and you could choose like, do you want to smash it in your burger or just like eat it separate? You smash it in the burger. Um, I ended up just eating it separate. Actually, I bet that was pretty good. Too. It was good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. I just no wrong, it. It's like a Reese's. There's no wrong way to eat that, man. Um, <laughs> All right, so we got to start off. Let me uh, let me switch screens here because this is uh, driving me crazy. Okay, so Cardinals, Cardinals come in uh, with Terrell. They added Terrell Suggs, Jordan Hicks, and Darius Phylon. They dropped in Antoine Bethea, Trey Boston, who is still not signed for some reason, and Benson Moyoa. They drafted a ton of dudes: Kyler Murray, Andy Isabella, Zach Allen, Byron Murphy. Seahawks connection. They signed Seahawks legend and last year's Pro Bowl offensive guard. Had to do it, Jr. Sweezy. Okay. Him, Eric, too. start us off. How do you? How do you? Do you want me to start with the Arizona? Oh, you need to start. The you need to start this okay, one. Okay, so all right, Arizona Cardinals. Um, Coming at let's you. start. Let's start with this. I think that this team made a lot of moves that I personally find very attractive this off season. Um, we've if seen that's not a Cliff Kingsbury's hot joke. We've seen the yeah. We've seen <laughs> that last past five years or so that 
quarterbacks drafted in the first round can have can do really good in the first year. They drafted a couple really great offensive weapons to go with Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, and David Johnson. Um, they have, a, I think, a really, really talented group on defense. Chandler Jones, Terrell Suggs, Zach Allen, Robert Kimdiche, um, Hassan Reddick, Patrick Peterson, Buda Baker, DJ Swearinger, um, Byron Murphy. These are all guys I think are legitimate contributors on an NFL defense. Uh, they bring in Vance Joseph, who I think is a really great defensive coordinator, should be able to help the defense uh, gel a bit. And I'm just, I'm, I'm into the, the what they've done. The, there's two, one big problem hanging out for me, which is I have no clue how Cliff Kingsbury will be as an NFL head coach. If he is good, I think that there is um, last year's Browns level upside with this team as like a young, exciting team that's really growing and becoming exciting. If he's bad then they will be really bad. Like they, cause they will go as far as their coaching takes them. And he's taken on a ton of responsibilities as both head coach and offensive coordinator that I think is, um, it's a lot for a first year guy, especially a guy who was not a very successful college coach either. So, um, that's the cliff Kingsbury thing scares me. I like Vance Joseph. I like the defense. I like the talent they added. I think there's upside here. They're not a playoff team. They're not ready for that yet. Their offensive line is not there. They're lacking in depth, uh, in certain positions, but overall, I think that there's a good shot that this team is like frisky, not, not like great, but I think that the, the calls for them to be really bad are, are overblown. I think there's worse teams even within the division. Uh, All right, Eric, what, tell me, tell me why I'm wrong. I'm ready. Well, you're wrong because I hate the Cardinals. They're like my most hated team just because I don't understand how they're still playing football. I have no respect for this team at all. I have no respect for their fans, uh, all two of them. So, Here's what I think about the Cardinals. Uh, here, actually, here's what I know. They have a really bad offensive line. Their defense has a chance to be decent at times, but I don't think it's going to be consistent. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury is like the ray of sunshine, in my opinion, because he's a new, young coach from college coming into the NFL. They typically have a good first year. That's something I'm not worried about for the Cardinals. Like, if you're excited for the Cardinals, be excited for Cliff Kingsbury this year. I'm pretty uh, I'm more excited for Kyler Murray than Cliff I'll tell Kingsbury. you this. Kyler Murray with Cliff Kingsbury, I think, is going to be good for the Cardinals. It's not going to be good enough to win them a ton of games. And I think this team is probably going to be last in the division, Nathan. Kevin. Uh, so Nathan alluded to it a little bit. The schedule is rough for the uh, NFC West this year. And I mean, they have Detroit at home in their opening weekend. They've got a game against Cincinnati, a game against the Giants, and they have two games against San Francisco. Yeah, playing, and they're going to have a hard time. And the Browns, otherwise they, finding they wins home, home against the Browns. I think I think they're going to drop their overrated. last five games. But playing against the NFC, playing against the uh, the NFC South in your in your like you know growing pains year is potentially a, a a real ball buster. Well, and I don't trust their defensive backs. Uh, I think they have a pretty solid defense, but we know Patrick Peterson has some holes in this game. Yeah, boom bust. Uh, counting on Byron Murphy or Deontay Thompson or Jalen Thompson to come in as a rookie and be able to play well isn't something that's guaranteed. So it's a big question as far as every cornerback spot outside of Pat Pete. Their linebacking core is Hassan Riddick being used wrong, and then uh, but Jordan Hicks is fine. Brooks Reed is Jordan, fine. I think Jordan Hicks is good. Like I th- like those Jordan are, Hicks. Those are like solid players. I just uh, is is Darius Phylon like a big piece? I, like I don't think they need him. Like it's just that they don't need him to be 
great. I, I'm looking at a defense that probably is not much better, if any better, than it was like, last year. Obviously, they'd rather the pack defense. They'd rather have Kim DJ than than Phylon, but Kim DJ's on the pub list, and you don't know if he's going to be healthy to start the year or not. They're like 50-50. and you still don't know what he really is. I like Robert Kendichi. I mean, he was he was really solid last year, and I thought their defense was was like not their weak point last year. Their no, they were middle of the pack defense. And I think they'll stay a middle of the pack defense. I think they got a little better. Like you don't think Terrell Suggs, and I mean the second year of Buda Baker, DJ Swenson, like those guys make will make them better. And Zach Allen coming in, like they they brought in some guy Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks is a very real NFL football player that they just added to this team. Right, so maybe they move from like the seventeenth best defense to like the fourteenth best defense, tenth maybe. Like, okay, they, I think they could be a borderline top ten defense. And I still look at a team that was not just in the basement on offense, but they were like buried in the sub basement, they were bad under the crust of the earth. Like there was a Soviet digging machine that was trying to find them. It was it was awful, and the offensive line maybe even got worse. I think everything depends on whether or not Marcus Gilbert can stay healthy. I don't necessarily trust Cliff Kingsbury's uh, system to come in and be revolutionary. I mean, it's basically just a spread air raid style offense. It's something that we've seen before, and it'll be more innovative than what they were running last year. So, you know, they won't be buried under the subfloor, but I don't really see anything that guarantees they're going to crack the top 20 in offense. I think it's That's really hard to run an rifle. NFL offense uh, without an offensive line. And I think their upside is somewhere around 20th. That's best case scenario. This is a really high variance team. And I guess we're at the point where I can start off the records. Yeah. I have them at 4-12. and 12, But anywhere from 2 to 5 wins is not surprising to me. Uh, but I think they'll be, I think they're a better team than they were last year. But I think their team was almost deceptively three and thirteen. Their their team was terrible last year. Um, I got them at seven and nine. I think that that's probably on the high end of how good they could be. But that's the I do see a big improvement, and I think this is an exciting, young, interesting football team with actual veterans that can can provide leadership. You know, you got Terrell Suggs and uh, Patrick Peterson to be kind of adults, and Larry Fitzgerald, of course. So the, you have these adults in the room to kind of help the kids come along, and I think that they're just better than better than people think. Just, I feel like that could totally be them next year. Yeah, I think that's fair, Kevin. I have them at five and eleven this year, and that's a, a gracious five and eleven. All right, let's head over to Los Angeles, where the Rams they lost Roger Roger Saffold, Marcus Joyner, and Nadim Kongsu, but added Clay Matthews, Eric Weddle, and Blake. I got an electric car so that I wouldn't dip any more Bortles. Uh, oh, uh, they drafted ta- they drafted Taylor Rapp, David Long, Bobby Evans, and Darrell Henderson, and then they the Seahawks connection. The Seahawks, of course, have X Ram Quentin Jefferson in that defensive tackle end rotation. All right, Kevin, start us off. How do you feel about them Rams? Uh, the Rams still have the most top end talent of any team in the division and probably in the league. They're in that upper crest. Uh, their wide receiver core with Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Brandon Cooks is insane. I like Josh Reynolds too. Like Josh they, Reynolds is if Josh Reynolds is your four, that's crazy. Yeah. If Josh Reynolds is your three, that's pretty good. Yeah, I would love to have Josh Reynolds on, on the Seahawks right now. Yeah, that, he'd be our two. That should tell you about how I feel about Josh Reynolds. Uh, Aaron Donald is always a force on the inside. Uh, Dante Fowler is not required to pass rush all the time, which is good because he can't because they have Aaron Donald. 
Uh, Clay Matthews is dirty and awful, and I hate him. But he's on their team, and so that gives me another reason to hate L.A., so that's good. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's very good anymore, either. That This team's top end is they really, should have th- is really good. They should have thrown one of the compensatory picks at at linebacker instead of going to get Clay Matthews. I don't really understand. This team is thin. I don't really understand like that signing at all. I, they have no. I don't think it really upgraded their talent. I think Micah Kaiser could give you a big portion of that. They have depth in some positions still. They still they have, have depth. depth at a few spots, but I mean at corner they're thin. I like. Do you don't like David Long? Uh, I feel like they're thin if David Long's probably a starter because it's keep to leave uh, I don't know how much he has left yeah, in the tank. They, if and team, Marcus if, Peters is exploitable that's just a fact we know now yeah and we know how to exploit him uh Taylor Rapp could be a good backup I'm, I'm not I'm not big on the uh the Troy Hill bandwagon though and Taylor Rapp I think is definitely a backup I mean that you don't bring in Eric Weddle to sit up, <laughs> sit up on well the no bench. I mean like Taylor Rapp might be ready to play as a backup kind of thing yeah. you know what I mean yeah uh, but that's that's not a guarantee and I have some questions about the interior of their uh, offensive line uh, I'm not a huge Joseph Noteboom guy I didn't like him drafting him coming out or scouting him coming out and how do you feel about Bobby Evans do you think that there's any chance he's an offensive guard at the next at this level I don't think so. I think he's more like a, I think he's more like a feels like, solid right tackle kind of guy. Feels like such a tweener. I think that they they really drafted him as a project, but they don't have any idea where to put him. Yeah. Yeah. David Edwards is actually more of like your prototypical left tackle as far as measurables mm-hmm. and everything. But Bobby Evans was just really solid at Oklahoma. So good. I if this is the year that Andrew Whitworth's body breaks down, this is the year that their offensive line falls apart. Uh, I do like Daryl Henderson though as a pickup. Yeah. As a guy who can give you a lot of what Todd Gurley does. Yeah, they needed to someone who could split time with Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley's knees are, are vaporizing. Yeah, um, they, they said there's no concern there, but there's huge concern there. Yeah, the rest uh, of his body's still in the league, but his knee's retired already. The offense is, is sketchy to me, also because of you know Jared Goff, the whole run game, pass game, coordinator game they're playing. Um, I don't... I don't totally love a lot of that stuff, and and that, their their coaching staff got picked. Yeah, they they saw they kept Wade Phillips somehow. That's because Wade is, Phillips is great, which is huge because Wade Phillips will they it, they could lose Aaron Donald and Wade Phillips will still have a good pass rush. He is a master at creating pass rush on defensive on defensive coaching staffs. Um, and John Fossil is a really good special teams coach. If you, yes, if, like if you can dust off his corpse to just coach your special teams, you're going to be solid there. Um, yeah, I I think it's a good. Good roster. I like the way they drafted. I think that they picked up depth at some positions. They really needed it. I wish that their linebackers were better. But to be honest, you don't build around linebackers in 2019 NFL. So they probably will get away. Take with that, it. Cowboys. You take Sorry. that. Take that, Seahawks. Um, you probably. You probably. You probably will. Uh, will they'll probably get away with it, even though they sh- they uh, they definitely have a position of weakness. Um, Eric, how do you feel about the Rams? Sean McVay gets a lot out of Jared Goff, and that is what I like. If I'm a Rams fan. Uh, what Kevin said, if this is the year that their O-line falls apart, that's going to mean bad things for Goff. Gurley is already showing, I'm not going to say signs of, of decline. I'm going to say, like, Todd Gurley is showing that. fat C.J. Anderson in the playoffs, Eric. You can say whatever you, you want. Love Anderson, but he was, you love C.J. Anderson. You love the C.J. Anderson. Fat C.J. Anderson in the playoffs, dude. Fat with nine C's. That's with, or nine PH's. Yeah, I'll say this about Todd Gurley. I feel like he has a three-year window being in the NFL unless some miracle treatment comes along. This team's still going to be good. Topping Faye is still their coach. Aaron Donald is still on this team. Uh, their defense looks great in part because of uh, uh, Wade Phillips, but also because uh, 
I, I don't really see the losing Ndamukong Sue is that big a deal for them. They had a two-year window starting last year. Coming to a theater near you this Christmas, Todd Gurley's Miracle Cure. A heartwarming story unlike any other. Starring, Starring Dean Kane as Todd Gurley. <laughs> and uh, Kurt Cameron as Todd Gurley's knee. As <laughs> God. Uh, I'll say this. Uh, this is this is their year to make it or break it. Um, that the window's closing awfully fast. They got to start paying guys. Also, I don't mean to be hot take, but what about a Super Bowl hangover? Maybe it's going to happen. I think that's something fair. I have this team uh, going. I'm going to say, after all that, I'm giving the Rams a benefit of the doubt. I have them at 13 and 3 this year. All right. Uh, tough, schedu- tough schedule. They're playing all the hard divisions. I think it hurts every team in this division a little bit, even the Rams. 10 and 6. Kevin. Can't Whoa. have a Super Bowl hangover when you didn't deserve to be there in the first place. Oh. Go Saints. Uh, uh, 11 and 5. Okay. For the Rams. Uh, 49ers. Uh, I don't know if you guys listen to the Seahawkers podcast, but the Seahawkers have uh, like better known rival series that they do where they bring in other teams, other teams. Thing. And the 49ers fans were the most confident I've ever heard any fan group be about their team. Uh, they added Tevin Coleman, Jordan Matthews, and Quan Alexander. They dropped Cassius Marsh, Alfred Morris, and Pierre Garçon. They, dra- they drafted Nick... Bosa, Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd in round three. CX Connection, of course. Your boy Dick Sherm is playing left cornerback for San Francisco 49ers. All right, Eric, start us off. How do you feel about the 49ers? 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo, will he play this year? Will he play a full season? That's a big question. And if he plays, who's he going to throw the ball to? I'm cutting right to the quick with these guys. I also don't like their running backs. Uh, Jarek McKinnon is... uh, has a huge cheerleader in Mr. Nathan Santo. He thinks that Jarek McKinnon might be some sort of stud. I mean, in a Kyle Shanahan offense where he can get a lot of uh, snaps, yes, he would be an excellent player. And Tevin Coleman as a number two behind him is not a bad thing. Tevin Coleman as a number two I think Matt, sounds awesome. I think Matt Breda is the number two running back. I offense. think so too, Nathan. I think they're going to run they're Tevin gonna... Coleman into the ground, and it's going to be poor for them. I do like uh, this team's number one cornerback. I think he's very talented. I think he's going to have a full, healthy year. I think he's betting on himself, and it's worked out. I don't like this Niner team. If you want to laugh really hard, you should read USA Today's prediction for the San Francisco 49ers because for the NFC West, they have the Rams missing the playoffs, and they have the 49ers winning the division. That's what they said on the the Seahawkers. It's so good. It's so good. Okay, That's we were, my thoughts on we the, were talking on before the, the we were talking before the podcast, and Eric was like, "You know what? I I don't love this team, but I really respect the job John Lynch has done." And I said, "You respect the job John Lynch has done coming in." And his first decision is to spend the number three overall draft pick on Solomon Thomas. Like, that's the guy you were Yes. And then so we Googled Solomon Thomas, you know, to read a few news articles. About him. And Kevin <laughs> Kevin was trying to guess the headlines, and he was, like, on it. You know, it's like Solomon it's Thomas. It's the headlines I've been giving you all summer, guys. So, Solomon Thomas is, is uh, his new position, new Solomon Thomas. And then another one was, like, Solomon Thomas is ready for redemption. And then another one was, like, Solomon Thomas is impressing his teammates with how good of shape he's in. It's like, just give me a fucking break. These, this... <laughs> This team is so overrated in the minds of so many. There are not three guys on this defense, more than three guys, sorry, on this defense that I really like. Nick Bosa is not showing up for week one. Get ready all re- get ready for that right from the start. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is the most overrated guy in the, in the whole NFL still. Um, 
yeah, that seven touchdowns to five interceptions ratio thing, that's not going to pan out for Can you Can I point out something you're going to hate even more? What? Uh, just to, to put you in with the Solomon Thomas stories, what's your least favorite offseason story? I don't know, like, uh, oh, oh, it's the Navarro Bowman. Navarro Bowman signed a one-day contract to retire. Oh, by the just way. To, just to check off that last piece 40, on the bingo 49ers card. 49ers fans, get ready right now to get excited about how many tackles Quan Alexander misses. Quan Alexander is a missed tackle machine. You know Bobby Wagner, the guy that we have that, that uh, gets every tackle and had one missed tackle last season? Quan Alexander is the opposite of that. The last time Quan Alexander played a full season, he missed 28 tackles. Oh, and the last time he played his full season for that, he missed 26. That guy is a missed tackle machine. So get get ready for that. Get ready to give up some big plays because of him. Um, George Kittle can't block. Uh, their wide receivers are terrible. Marquise Goodman can only run in a straight line. Do I, do I need to say any more? This is uh, Eric Armstead's totally overrated. Miles Austin is on the coaching staff. Do you know uh, that? Their safeties are terrible. What what else do you want from me? Like I, I hate the 49ers. Um, I think they're worse than Arizona. I just like if you ask me, hey, you you're the GM. Which roster would you rather be the GM of? The 49ers roster or the Arizona Cardinals roster? I'd pick the Arizona Cardinals roster twice. Like before Because you also respect GM. I would fire Cliff Kingsbury and try to hire Cal Shanahan. Also, I mean, why haven't they traded for why haven't they signed uh, uh Trey Boston? Why haven't this they signed Trey Boston? Definitely should have signed Trey Boston. This is the this is a great landing they spot have for Trey Boston. Two safety openings. Sorry, Jarquist Hart and Adrian Colbert. They have two safety openings. Jarquist Tart is my least favorite Tart there is. Jaquiski Tart? I mean, he's he was he went to Sa- uh, college football powerhouse Samford guys. So you got to respect anything that he does. Uh, so my feeling on this team is they. So the comparison I'm making is against Arizona, and they come out slightly favorably for me for a few reasons. Number one, I like their offensive line more. Uh, number two, I think their wide receiver core is solid, and I think Kyle Shanahan knows what to do with their wide receivers and running backs. I trust the ability to manufacture some kind of offense around the 16 to 20th best quarterback in the NFL, um, Nick Mullins. And (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting, Kevin. And Eastern Illinois finest dude. Give him the gold jacket. He won. Nick Mullins did not go to Eastern Illinois. Five and oh, dude. Gary McGraw. Nick Mullins was, uh, put him in the uh, hall of fame. Southern miss. Southern miss. But like put Jimmy in the hall of fame, dude, just put him in. He's, he's so good. And the other thing is that he doesn't play safety. They're still 27th in the NFL last year uh, against the pass. And this is a team where Akilah Witherspoon, we still don't quite know if he's going to be all the way all there. All they did to fix Jason that, Jason Verrett Kevin. gets hurt all the time. All they did to fix that was get Nick Bosa. That's it. That's the only thing they did to fix their well, and D their, their pass, pass defense. I guess D Ford, but he'll be injured by week five anyway. Another reason I don't. <laughs> Like this team, <laughs> you know, you're ruining my being down on San Francisco by being so down on San I Francisco. I hate this team, dude. I cannot stress this enough. I don't don't like this right. team. Two at years all. ago, they went six and ten, and then they picked up the Hall of Famer, hand him the jacket now, James Garoppolo, and they proceeded to go four and twelve. But I would contest they lost a couple games without him. They definitely could have gone five and eleven. So this year, I see them improving to. Six and ten. Wow, that's a that's a gracious six and ten from Kevin Garber. I failed to say that Matt Breda is the best player they have because oh, that's also a fact. don't spend a third round pick on Jalen Hurd. <sighs> you already have Marquise Goodwin, who's better Jalen Hurd. Sorry, that's fine. That's so, no, I mean just, so, it's a bad team, and we're just we're uh, we're burying because it's so easy. And another thing you might notice is that like 
a lot of the guys they signed as free agents are like I would say B tier free agents, not the best guys. Like I don't think anyone was like super pumped to get D Ford, Quan Alexander, but they the contracts look really good on paper, right? They have all these things. But this, there's a lot of buzz around the NFL that, like, the 49ers use a salary contract structure that is very team favorable. It gives them options out every year. They pay in April instead of uh, instead of uh, March like everyone else. So they have, more, they have like, more uh, flexibility than any other team. And um, it, and a lot of people blame Kaepernick's shitty contract as, the, as like, the start of this, where the 49ers started using this contract stru- structure and then kept using it, kept using it, kept using it. But it also seems to be putting a limit on the types of players that are willing to sign with them. Yes, but then I think that's why they don't get any, like, I would say, free agents I actually like. They get a lot of, like, they have a lot of quality B-tier guys. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is worth about two wins more than Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard, so I'm going to put him at a hearty six and ten. <laughs> All right. I have this team at five and eleven. I'm more down than any of you, and I think James Garoppolo is going to play most of the season. Like oh, me, he might he, miss it. He, he might miss a game. All sixteen games, so that they can stop saying that's the reason why. That's why. That's why I think he's going to actually play because San Francisco 49ers fans are the Travis Warnock of the NFL. Out, out of out of, uh, out of excuses, I want to Sam run them Bradford injury. Yeah, we're gonna excuses. we're gonna know the truth about Garoppolo and Garoppolo. Don't forget that they do have Seahawks legend Willie, you, Willie Beavers. Okay, yeah, that's right, Seahawks legend Willie Beavers. All right, Seattle Seahawks, the last team. And we're gonna spend a little time with them today. Uh, actually, we're gonna head into a little bit of overtime here. So Seahawks add Mikey Apati, Al Woods, and Ziggy Ansah. They drop J.R. Sweezy, Justin Coleman, Frank Clark, Earl Thomas. Big losses. They drafted L.J. Collier, D.K. Metcalf. Cody Barton, Marquise Blair, and like 45 other guys. The Seahawks connection the, is that uh, this team is the actual Seahawks. All right, uh, Eric Ronnebeck. Going into this season, like how do it. you feel about the Seahawks? Optimistic. However, that changed the day after we recorded last week when four of our rookies went on the pup list. Uh, I'm excited for those guys. It just means we're going to miss them for maybe the first three games of the year. And then the Jaron Reed news comes down. Honestly, I am... I'm a little shook. I don't know where to put this team because we haven't seen anything from them. And at this time of year, you're running clearly on optimism, or if you're a Niners fan, on straight despair. If you're a Raiders fan, you're looking for sales at Ross. I feel like but the 49ers fans think they're the nobody believes in us, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> correct. Nobody, nobody believes in the 49ers. We're gonna, you are correct. You're right about this podcast. They are. They're, they got some real smart people in San Francisco. So uh, I don't really know where to peg this team. Like, I went through the, our division and I changed the wins and losses for every team except for the Cardinals and 49ers. As you know, as much as I could, I kept looking at it. I'm not, I'm not stoked on our pass rush. I don't think anyone in this room is. I don't really know how good our cornerback in crew is going to be. I don't really know how good our safety crew is going to be. I like our linebackers, and we kind of make fun of that on this podcast. Going to the offensive side of the ball, our running game. The only work it needs is to stay consistent and not eat up so much offense that we can't win in the playoffs. We really need to see Russ air out the ball more. We've talked about this. We're going to grow into a more passing offense. Let's see if that's actually true. Let's see if it's going to happen. But Russ holds the key for this team winning this year and going somewhere. We say that every year, but last year it was a total run attack. We need to see what Russ can actually do and take over games consistently. I do like our offensive line. I've been reading a lot of... uh, hype articles on our offensive line and people are actually starting to kind of respect it and they should be uh our offensive line is decent we've said for years if we had a decent offensive line that this team could go far um we're still a playoff team we are our window is open enough 
just by being a playoff team. But I really just don't know what to expect from us on the field for at least the first six games. That's I want to talk to you about those first six games. Because without Jaron Reed, I think that's a very important window to the season. Uh, Nathan, what do you think our schedule needs to be after the first six games if we're going to make a run for the playoffs, if you had to say right now? Just kind of gut check. Like, what I think our our team... After the first six games, what do we need to be if we're going to be making a playoff run? I think they need to be better than 3-3. Three and three, So they need to be 4-2. and two. Oh, How do you feel, Eric? I'm realistic about it. And no, I'm no, not, I'm what not, do you think they need to be to make a playoff run? Realistically thinking, I think 3-3 three and three will do it. If you look at the way the rest of the schedule shakes out, I feel like we can win more games. If, if we can win three games here, that means that our team is good enough to win more games when we get guys back, okay? I feel similar to you do in that uh, so we have an even split over the first three uh, six games. So let's talk about those games real quick. Uh, we have Bengals. Uh, we have the Bengals in Seattle. Yeah. We're all putting a win there, right? Yes. Oh, we have, maybe not Andy Dalton Lover over there. Uh, we have Seahawks at Pittsburgh. I think that's a tough but winnable game. That's a flip a coin game. Exactly what you said. I, I kind of, I kind of, I already picked the whole season, so I'll just tell you. I picked the Steelers. In that game. Uh, we have New Orleans coming to Seattle. I think with our defensive backs, you probably count that as a loss right now. I picked the Saints. In that yep. Game. We have us visiting Arizona. I think that's one that we should win. Win. That's I, absolutely. I think that game's like a coin flip. But I also think the next game's oh. a coin flip, so I just think they take one out of two against... One out of two against Car- either uh, Cards and... Uh, cards at, at Cards or... that. Don't forget, Arizona Cardinal Stadium is fucking cursed for us. Like, that stadium will tear someone's ACL and we'll get, like, a three-point, inexplicable three-point loss. It has happened so many times. That is true. That is, like... That is, like... There is a curse on that stadium for us. And then we're that playing... That magic went with the coach. In Cleveland. I hope. Oh. We're playing in Cleveland, but we have extra I, rest days coming off a of Thursday game. I don't like Cleveland that much, so I think we'll win that game. I agree. So There's your three wins. I think we need to have at least three wins, and I feel much better for four and two. Um, I just don't know if we're going to... If we pick up that fourth win, you're talking about like maybe that home game against the Saints, which, let's face it, winning at home against the Saints, that's a primetime game, I believe. Yeah, that could be something where, like, wow, I can't believe we won that game. If Is we it beat not? Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Arizona, and Cleveland, would you be surprised by any of that? I don't think that's surprising. No, but I'm saying if we win against oh, the, if we win a the fifth Saints. Game? No, I, no wait, what are your fourth? Cincinnati. Uh, our four games are Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Arizona, Cleveland. I'd be surprised if we won all those, just because Pittsburgh is still going to ball. Because I also think that home game against LA, surprised. we have a shot. That's going to be a Ooh. big question mark as far as... We have quite the test against our defensive backs uh, early in the season. Cincinnati's got a deep receiving core. Uh, Pittsburgh's got a really fat quarterback. New Orleans has a really good offense. Uh, Arizona is going to be putting together something that's designed to test your defensive backs and how well they read the offense. Uh, L.A. has a lot of weapons. And then Cleveland has a lot of receivers. So early season is going to really be a big-time test for our defensive backs. And that's going to tell us a lot about the rest of the season. We need to see them. If they improve throughout the season, that's good. But we could get burned and kind of buried early. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just, it's tough. It's it's the kind of roster that there's, you just don't, I, I feel like it's a mystery box right now. But here's the thing that really pushes it to, the team's not going to be terrible. They're, Russell Wilson is still the quarterback. And there's just not many teams with top five quarterbacks who win 
five games, six games. Just doesn't happen in the in the modern NFL. And Russell Wilson is verifiably, by whatever measure metric you want to put, he's a top five NFL quarterback. I don't trust a lot of the other aspects of this team. Um, there's a lot of things that make me nervous about this team, but I still think that they're nine and seven and they're right in the fight for for a playoff spot. Uh, Eric, how do you feel about uh, the Seahawks? It makes me really sad. I have the Seahawks at ten and six. I'm so optimistic. I'm not. I'm not like a Homer fan that oh we're we're gonna be awesome. I used to work with this guy that he thought every year the Seahawks are going sixteen and zero. This is back in the Matt Hasselbeck days in two thousand three. Oh yeah. Oh we'll beat him. It'll be no problem. I was like, Dave, you're crazy. Um, I think ten and six is winnable. Kevin, if we win the first if we win four of the first six games, we're winning this division. That's how confident I am in this team. I don't think we're going to do that, however. What do you think? I would agree. If we go four and two, then I think we have a good shot at eleven wins. I have us I had us at ten and six before Jaron Reed. I feel like the thin defensive line rotation missing Probably our best defensive lineman, definitely our best interior defensive lineman, probably costs us a game. So I have us at nine and seven, fighting for a wild card spot. And we're in the we're solidly in the mix for a wild card spot. It just really depends on how these other teams all shake out. You know, there's just a lot of uncertainty week to week. And in the NFL, you just never know what's going to happen, right? There, I think that in the NFC, there's going to be a lot of teams kind of clumped around nine and seven and that's i would tend to agree it's a feisty year and i feel like the divisions that are squaring off against each other like putting the nfc west and nfc south against each other that's that's tough Mm -hmm. and then also the nfc east gets a, a lot of free wins this year because they have to go against the afc east which is just I mean that that means that a team like the Cowboys and the Eagles can really rack up you know the the, the free wins by getting to face you know Buffalo at home and stuff stuff like that. Yep. And nobody circles wagons. They're coming up this year. The Buffalo, Buffalo, so and such is. I think the Eagles. The Dave and Buster's there. The Eagles are gonna light up <laughs> those teams, man. Like that, they should. If the Eagles don't, then then we should get to yeah, laugh at them. So and I've the pick, Cowboys. I've picked every game in the NFC already, and I think we'll just save that for next week. What we think. What we think the the uh, the NFC and the AFC our playoff predictions, our final final uh, predictions to going into the next season, our you know hills we want to die on, and all of that good stuff so let's go ahead and head over to the um the money zone if you want to support the seahawks nest podcast there are many ways to do so the best way head over to patreon.com slash seahawks nest be like forrest james chuckatilla tom lucas carrie bob kieran brett mike david Floctimus, prime keith frank michelle brian and nick and give us a little bit of your hard-earned cash so we can spend it on things like the air conditioning unit that keeps us from dying while we do this podcast the uh the microphones the light keeps this keeps the lights on to be honest with you uh soundcloud hosting all that stuff that makes this podcast uh hopefully one of your favorite seahawks podcasts um if you don't have any money you can head over to itunes give us a five-star review you can head over to uh whatever uh, stitcher soundcloud device that you um, currently are listening we on. are now at 66 so five close. star ratings only three away um and then you know the thing is, uh, agree with the majority of the opinions on this podcast. This is from Josh. Very underrated. All hosts have entertaining takes. Radio-like presentation. Very easy to listen to. Lifesaver for three-hour round-trip commute to work. By the way, that guy's a warrior. I could never do that. My Three-hour round-trip to work? My commute is nine minutes, and it's like a lifesaver for me because I 
I got would a lot of respect saying, for you, yeah, bro. Res- respect, Josh, man. You uh, hope you guys get your review goal shortly. Wink, wink. He used the uh, cancer emoji. Good, good move. I like that. Lol. <laughs> Keep up the nice work, guys. Thank you. Uh, also, see lady. Uh, she says she's from Kansas City, and uh, it says I mean it's a he. I don't know. I, I'm making an assumption here. Love the podcast. Keeps me entertained. Season living in Kansas City. I don't have any Seahawks fans, so I can ignore all these bitter Chiefs fans. They should be bitter because. They are going to lose in like the second round of the playoffs every year. The Andy Reid curse continues. I uh, got a bunch of barbecue man up. Uh, Mr. Reid, Mr. Red also says is he loves the podcast, drafts the jokes, the humor, loves the pod. All right, oh Yo, Mr. Red, Mr. Red, it, it, extra. <laughs> Thanks you guys for reviewing. That was uh, good. That was a good good segue. Good three segue. to go, and then to the person who gives us the one star number seventy. I already hate you. Um, okay, then other things uh you can catch uh me on some of the other seahawks podcasts around i've been on field goals i've been on seahawkers i'm going to be going on a couple other ones i've already got that in the works so if you listen to those and you hear it um i hope you enjoy those uh of guest appearances as well what else uh, is there anything else i want to advertise no that's it that's um, it eat the eat, end eat good food okay now let's get to the good stuff guys you ready yeah so we're we uh in honor of once upon a time in hollywood uh, I thought, you know, what are some things we could do? Well, we've done a Tarantino Eliminator before, um, and it's the off-season. It's the time to experiment, not just, like, talk about a movie we watch. It's the time to really, because you know who's listening right now? People who actually like this podcast. In the regular season, we're catching some people who maybe just, like, just need more Seahawks content to fill up their, their life. But for this time of the year, this is when we catch the people who are uh, our true fans, the real fans. So I thought, let's do some more experimenting. Today, we're going to draft... But we're not going to draft Tarantino movies. No. We're going to draft Tarantino characters. You're going to build a crew for some kind of job. It could be a heist. It could be an assassination. It could be whatever you want. It could, you could open a restaurant. I don't care. Okay, You're going to build in a crew of Tarantino characters. No Tarantino character can be drafted twice. But okay? actors and actresses can. Actor and actresses can. You could make an all Samuel L. Jackson squad and just say you're starting a Samuel L. Jackson impersonator troupe. That's your choice. I don't think people will like it. But you could do whatever you want. All right. You guys ready? Yes. I gave you guys time to prepare for this one because this is like harder than most of the ones. It requires usually, a little extra. Usually yeah. I uh, spin. That is a, that's a hard. Man, Eric, you put your feet out and I feel like he steals it from me. I'm taking it this time. All right. oh. Nathan is first. Rude. Then Kevin. You got to box Eric. him out better than that. Yeah. Rude. You got to stick your legs Eric farther Eric pulled Dikembe Mutombo there. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, it was like pointing right at me, but your feet were in the way. So I don't know. If that but happened. I didn't kick him out. He had to play it off Frankenstein's fat foot. That's what do you want me to do. All right. I will make that. I just haven't had more reference ever. I just haven't had a first pick, so I'm, I'm me upset. I believe this belongs right. to Mr. Ronnebeck. Okay, we're take, we're picking four <laughs> characters, and then we're not going to reveal. You can count on me waiting for you in the park. Okay, then. Go ahead. <laughs> we can. We're gonna we're gonna draft the characters, and then we're gonna tell you our our job when we're done. So I'm gonna go first, and I need someone who is smart, someone who is resourceful. Someone who who brings the goods. Someone who I don't think is going to survive six picks to my next pick. Jackie Brown. Uh, so I'm picking Shoshana from from uh, Jingle, or from Inglorious Bastards. I need someone. You piece of work. Um, so I think that this is probably first of all she's awesome. Uh, burning down a, a theater full of Nazis is an A plus 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 grade in my book. And the resourcefulness, wisdom, and cleverness to do to pull off such a heist. Uh, you know, it's she. She was uh, she's the master, and I gotta take her number one overall. Don't at me. All right, Kevin, who you got? All right, Eric, Eric's not happy right now. I don't think, dude. She was on my list, and I made well, before we started. No, but before we started, we were like, 
I don't want to go out in Inglorious Passengers because I don't like that movie. And then so I threw a curveball and you hit it out of the park, Kevin. <laughs> I am going with a very different take on things. Uh, I want someone who has a very specific set of skills and strengths. Oh, and I'm going to start I, typing and see if I'm right. Go I'm ahead. going with Oren Ishii. Oh. Lucy Liu's character wow. from Kill Bill. Who has that right mix of deadly, vicious, crazy, and ruthless in order to get shit done. She came in, she took over the crazy 88s, no problem. She held down that entire gig. That's that's somebody who's in charge. I'm trying to think of what Kevin's going for here, and I think I know, and I think I like it. Eric, you get two picks back to back. Who you got? Okay. I'm taking the leader of my gang. What kind of gang is it? Oh, you're going to reveal already? You're going to tell us? No, I'm going to say it's... It was more like a team. I don't know. <laughs> King like Schultz. A, it's a Justice League. Is my leader. King Schultz from Django Unchained. Okay, I gotta cross that the one man, <laughs> The man who can basically just instill trust within someone, be very uh, kind, yet ruthless. A man who can, uh, I, I believe, you know, we saw him in Django. He put, he put together... Uh, uh, a plan after plan after plan. This this guy is who I want as my leader. And that's my first pick. My second pick. I need someone beautiful. Someone Ooh. who's going to take the place of Shoshana Dreyfus. And s- someone someone who uh, Quentin Tarantino thinks has nice feet. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do at least one foot. Uh, yes. That's all women. A little early. Uh, I'm just going to go with something weird here. I'm going to go uh, Broomhilda Von Schaft. Uh, she is she is someone who now that she's free, uh, if you want to go you know, after the movie, someone who is strong, someone who is resourceful, someone who is tenacious and does not give up. Brunhilde von Shaft. I think you should say what movie uh, people they're from, so people can. Oh, I didn't say the Django. Yeah, from they're both two from two from Django back double, to back, double Django. Which uh, you know I didn't really want to do, but I couldn't help myself because you took my other one. All right, Kevin. I'm going to go with my continued theme of picking people who know how to get things done. And I don't want to say anything else because it's all you got to say. It's the wolf. The wolf. I, I thought from you were picking, Fiction. I thought you were picking nice. the wolf from the first pick. I was like, I typed the wolf and I was like, I did Kevin's too, Kevin. picking the wolf. I, I thought you were going with the wolf. Uh, so I was like, I was like very uh, confused when you went and con- you kind of pivoted. You were uh, you were like, uh, tricked me. What is, what's so great about the wolf, Kevin? Uh, the wolf, that man, he's a, he is my favorite planner because he can go into any situation, no matter what the status of it, and he can turn it into a net positive. And he does it with style. He does it with suave. He could be your uh, he could be your face man, he could be your grifter, or he could be the man in the he could be like the man in back with the plan who just lets everything run its course out. And so, pretty please with sugar on top. What's your fucking pick? Um. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, the character that I think I uh, mean most people would go. Um. He's he's a he was a hitman, but now he's like gonna, he's ready to walk the earth. I'm gonna bring him back. For one last thing, and that's Jules Winfield. I need Jules in my team. I need Jules to uh, to bring, you know, just the the inspiration. I need someone who, when we're in the situation that I'm putting them in, can really like get people, other people that are, you know, to do things. That is a tasty pick. So that, so I think that you guys now understand that I'm I'm building a, a bank heist yeah, squad. Yeah. <laughs> but I need someone to yell at people and tell them, you know, down on the ground and really get things done. And Jules, Jules is the guy. Now, 
what I really also need is someone to, uh, you know, cut us through a bad situation if things go south. And so that takes me to taking, you know, the bride, Beatrix Kiddo. I need someone to get me out of this situation if things go wrong. And I think Beatrix is the, the perfect pick to do that. Um, she's the muscle. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jules is the face. Beatrix is the muscle. That, that means Shoshana obviously is, uh, she's got the cigar. She's making the plans. All right. I, I know I'm only one short and I'll, I'll get to that in my last pick. Kevin, who you got? So depending on the type of job you're doing, you need an effective person to point and I've already got that. So now I need those that are ready to execute and I'm taking L Driver, Daryl Hannah's character from Kill Bill. Nice. Uh, second Kill Bill character. This is the lead assassin of Bill's hit squad and the person who took over for the bride. Uh, you know, she's got one eye, but she's really good at whistling. And in addition to that, <laughs> she's very good at sword fighting. Uh, this is somebody who, again, she already she not great at taking orders. But, you know, the wolf is pretty smooth. He can make someone want to do what you know, swim in the same direction. L Driver, she knows a good command when she hears it, she follows it, she gets it done. Alright. E, e, e Rock, two, is it, two, two picks. Is it? Okay. Alright, so for my first pick, I wanted to uh, pick someone who is tough. Someone who relies maybe on their strengths. Like their physical strengths, someone who's a little more, um, you know, get a, get their hands dirty type of guy. Uh, I'm gonna go with Butch from Pulp oh, Fiction. Not who I thought. No, it's someone who likes to do things his way. Um, Butch I really like Coolidge, Butch the boxer. Yeah, Butch Coolidge is one of my Bruce favorite Willis. characters because I love Bruce Willis. I really do. I think he's uh, a big jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, in real life, he's definitely a jerk. However, uh, he's he's my jerk, man. I really like him. So, but he, you want someone who's strong, someone who's uh, you know, maybe not afraid of anything except for maybe you know, maybe flying. I'm not sure. My final pick. I need a wild card. I need someone who is crazy who can get the job done. And I had a few ideas, but I have to settle on Pi May from Kill Bill. Volume 2 as my Howling Mad Murdoch because I have just made the A-Team. Okay. Kevin. Uh, so you stole my joke. Uh, I just want to put that out there real quick. Oh, because, were you building an A-Team too? Uh, I we all am, kind of built an A-Team. We all kind of built an A-Team. Well, That's we're literally what the team. challenge is. <laughs> um, so I've got the wolf, the grifter. I've got a lot of muscle. I've got an L-Driver and Aranishi. Uh, I'm going to bring out the Bloodhound, because when you need to track a target and figure out what's going on, there's one man for that job, and that's Colonel Hans Landa. Hmm. Christopher Waltz character from Inglorious Bastards. And you made kind of a hit squad, like a assassination team. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, we'll I talk about coming. that in a second. All right. I only need one thing, and I get to. I, I'm using this as an opportunity. An opportunity to talk about what I think is Quentin Tarantino's most underrated film, which I think, which is Death Proof. 
the uh, the car chase is get classic, a driver. but I need a driver. <laughs> you got to have a driver. And a lot of people would think, well, okay, he's going to pick Zoe Bell here. I'm not. I'm going to pick Rosario Dawson's Abernathy. One, she gets the kill in the movie. She gets to be the person that murders <laughs> Stuntman Mike. And I just think this movie is much, much better than people give it credit for. The movie is is more entertaining to watch. And if you haven't seen it in a long time, I would suggest giving it another, another go. Because it's it definitely stands up better than people think. All right. Eric, what do you think about the squads that we've uh, we've drafted here? I think they're great. I think they're all different. They do different things. I picked the A team because I tried to pick good guys um, or guys that you could be uh, believed to be good. Uh, maybe maybe anti heroes. I didn't want to go with like I thought about Billy Crash from Django. Mm-hmm. I really like uh, Walton Goggins as an actor. I uh, love the characters he's played. Um, there's so many great characters in movies to. To pick from, and not even main characters. Yep. I'm almost sad I picked main characters. I'm surprised someone didn't go with like the the ultimate villain squad and just be like, I want Charles Candy. And <laughs> yeah, I want, I want. The uh, problem is, I was trying to figure out what job they would do, and the only answer is fail at it because the villains creep. always lose. I had an all creep list that was Calvin <laughs> Candy, Drexel, Mister Pink, and Bill from Dre- Kill Bill. Drexel from True Romance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> This creep team is dealing drugs. Yeah, they, they were just gonna argue and sit around and be gross. So when I had when I started, the reason why I started with Orinishi, uh, Lucy Liu, was because I figure there's a lot of different things we could do. We could take over an entire organized crime outfit. Oh, you wanted to leave yourself open. So I left myself open because I'm sitting in the in the slingshot position where I'm caught between two people who get double moves. And so then when it came back and I had the wolf, I'm like, I still got a lot of versatility in here because the wolf, he can adapt to any situation as well. So I, I'm, I was kind of playing the field a little bit, See. but it really closed down at the end because what was missing from everything was we didn't have the wet work squad. And this is a group that could get into any situation and kill anyone. They could do it with guns. They could do it with knives. They could do it quietly. They could do it loud and messy. So my thing was that I knew I could float the driver all the way to the end. I yep. knew I did not have to worry about anyone picking someone from Death Proof. If if anything, I knew someone was going to pick Zoe Bell. They were not going to pick uh, pick pick my pick. So then I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm all good. I can just take Abernathy with the last pick. And so then I was like, okay, I'm going to get a wheel, and I have a bunch of options for middle people, for Face Man and for Muscle. So I can just wait. You know, I could have picked Django. Django was on my mind instead yep. of the Bride. I could have picked Django. I mean, I had options. So I was like, I'm not worried about getting my Muscle. I'm not worried about getting my Face. I'll pick Jules or I'll pick Vincent. I'll get one or the other. What I am worried about is I'm getting my planner. I think someone's going to take Shoshana. So I had like a strategy. I I think Jules would have been my first pick if I was picking like which character do I want to have on my team the most. But I was like, I need to pick Shoshana first because I don't like any of the other planner characters as much as I like her. So <laughs> if you hadn't taken King Schultz, I was actually giving strong consideration for King Schultz as my planner because he has shown that if he wants to get in and kill one person... Very good at that. Yeah. Very was, good at that. He was, he was my fallback. He was, he was going to be good on that one. Uh, so I had uh, the Wolf and King Schultz for the two that I wanted for that role. And the fact that the Wolf can also be my face guy, real nice double duty there. Yeah. All right. Uh, so you'll you'll see this uh, a vote uh, to do it. Which which uh, which Tarantine, Tarantine? Should I put that? No, that's Tarantino. Just... All right, we're not going to do that. All right, which Tarantino team do you like the best? Oh, bad uh, jokes we are have... taken. I'm just going to wait. Wait, it. it's it's a Quadrantin Tarantino. Uh, for Kevin Garber. You started this. <laughs> for Eric Ronnebeck. We will see you next week. Go Hawks. Get to sleep.